Coming to you from ACOG's annual scientific meeting in San Francisco, I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz for ReachMD. I'm joined by Dr. Linda Shemansky. She's assistant professor in the Division of Maternal Fetal Medicine and medical director of labor and delivery at Johns Hopkins Hospital at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, in case that wasn't entirely clear. <laughs> Dr. Shemansky, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be here. So the topic that we're going to be exploring, investigating, delving deep into here is exercise during pregnancy. It's an area that you were going to be delivering a lecture on. Am I correct? Yes, I did earlier today. So tell me a little bit about what drew you into this particular subject area. Why exercise during pregnancy? Okay, well, it's sort of an interesting path. So uh, medicine is a second career for me. In my first career, I have a Ph.D. in exercise physiology. And so through a long and uh, tortuous path, I realized when I became a clinician in medicine that as I'm talking to women in the clinic, they would ask me simple questions about exercising in pregnancy, and I thought to myself, wow, I can't answer this question. And I have a PhD in exercise physiology, and I thought, obviously we need some more information in here, and so I made it my research track. Wow. And fast forward, I mean, it sounds like you've come a long way in that respect, but I'm amazed. I latch on to the fact that you were receiving these questions, but you with a background in exercise physiology, it wasn't entirely clear. Why do you think that was? Well, I think we just don't have the data to answer this, the practical questions. I mean, there is actually, when you look at it, quite a bit of data on exercise during pregnancy. We know a lot about what happens to the woman's maternal, the maternal physiology, but we don't necessarily know what happens to the fetus and if it is safe for the woman. And I think, with, to be completely honest, with the whole liability field in obstetrics, I think a lot of providers are afraid to have women exercise because they're just not convinced that it's okay in all women. Is there a defensive recommendation practice in play these days that you've picked up on where people say, you know what, it would make me more comfortable if you didn't exercise? Well, I think when you look at the data that's out there, there are studies that show that most physicians either don't mention exercise to women during pregnancy or they recommend that they cut down their exercise. And I think that's just because they are concerned about what's going to happen to the fetus. And so we know that women are not exercising enough during pregnancy, but I also don't think they're being encouraged as much as they could be. You're referring to the data, but what do we know, even in an era of uncertainty to this point, I'm sure there's still some uncertainty, but what do we know about potential risks to the fetus, or if there are any, and how much exercise is not being done? (laughs) I guess you've asked the million-dollar questions. Well, we know that when you look at how many women meet the existing guidelines for exercise, which by the Health and Human Services and ACOG say 30 minutes, five days a week, the last data I saw showed that 16% of pregnant women were meeting this. So there's some disconnect somewhere. Now, we know the general population, we have only slightly better information. People just don't exercise. I think we actually have more data to show that exercise is okay for you, does good for you, and certainly doesn't harm you than we have that show the opposite. So it's not that we have data showing that it's bad for you. I think people just default to saying, well, just if you haven't been exercising before, don't start now. And that is, in my opinion, very bad advice. How would you counter that? How would you turn that around in in practice for other physicians who are listening? Right. Well, one of the things we tried to do with our research, uh, the research I did, was we wanted to look at how the fetus responds to exercise. And so one of our our bigger studies that we published, we actually looked at non-exercising women and exercising women and exercised them according to the existing guidelines. So we put them on a treadmill for 30 minutes at the appropriate target heart rate intensity that we determined by testing, and we showed the fetal responses to be completely fine. Both the fetus and the mom looked great after exercise, and so we found that very reassuring, and we would hope that 
doctors would see that and be reassured that they could tell women to exercise. Of course, we don't know a whole lot about women with other health problems, women with high blood pressure and other health problems that make people a little more concerned about exercise. And is this independent, for those who we do know about, is this independent of how close to term they are, or is it dependent to some extent? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, we in our study, we looked at women in the third trimester, hmm. and we did that for a couple of reasons. One, it's easiest to measure fetal responses then. They're a little more meaningful. And we thought that that would be the time people would worry the most and still saw great responses. So what are the fears then? Are people, do they have a misplaced fear of a spontaneous abortion? Are they afraid of some sort of developmental problem at some point in pregnancy just because a person decided to do a little bit of weightlifting or running or jogging? Yeah, I'll be honest and say I don't really know. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a complete unknown that they're worried about. Very early on, some of the research showed that the fetus's heart rate went down during exercise, and that was back in the early 80s. And then research subsequently came out and showed that that actually wasn't the fetus's heart rate, it was something else. And so I think that stuck in people's heads. So I can't really say that we know that. I, I don't know what they're afraid of. I think it's just easier to say don't do it or cut down than it is to say go do this because then if anything did happen in the pregnancy somebody could always perhaps come back to the fact that they exercised. I see. And has there been any supplementary data to indicate some of the benefits of exercise? Not just the lack of harms but actual benefits. Yeah, there has actually been a good amount so I, I could categorize into a few different categories. I think we have the best data to show that women who exercise before they get pregnant as well as during, have a lower rates of gestational diabetes. That's been shown pretty much over and over again. Meta-analyses have supported that. We know that women who exercise during pregnancy don't gain quite as much weight, which usually women gain excess weight, so it cuts down a little bit on that. And then there's been some more interesting data, I think, that shows long-term health benefits in the mom. A study was just published a little while ago that showed that women who had gestational diabetes during exercise, who is a population we know is at greater risk for developing diabetes later in life, those that exercised had a significantly reduced rate of type 2 diabetes down the road. And then another study done on women who exercised during pregnancy 20 years later were still active and had better cardiorespiratory risk factor profiles. So I think they're healthier in general. And then there's also data coming out more recently that is actually showing benefits for the neonate. They're seeing better heart rate responses in the neonate, maybe better body composition profiles. And that's sort of a newer field, but I think we're going to see more of that. So they have better pregnancy outcomes, they have better health down the road, and then they might have healthier neonates who will then be healthier adults. So. Interesting. Any longitudinal studies, or is it too early yet for that? Well, though, not, I haven't seen any in the neonates. We know that women who gain a lot of weight during pregnancy or who have high BMIs, their children, even into adulthood, are more unhealthy. But I haven't seen the benefits yet of the exercise alone, which I think we will find shortly. And in these studies that showed some of the benefits that you just talked about, was the exercise multivariate? Was it all over the place as far as the exercise recommendations, or were they all pretty much along the same spectrum of run five times a week or do a very particular set of exercises? No, they really more look at amount of physical activity in a week, and it's, it's not crazy amounts of exercise that they're looking at. And again, I think that's why these recommendations are for 30 minutes of moderate activity five days a week, which is extremely achievable by most people. We're not asking them to go running, high-intensity running every day. I think moderate walking or moderate activity is something that most people can do without 
much distress. What about higher intensity exercise in other respects, such as weightlifting? Some people are afraid of weight-bearing exercises as though that's going to have a direct impact on suddenly going into labor, for instance, if they are third trimester and they're doing weightlifting, load-bearing exercises. Is that a concern? I don't think so. We have not quite as much good data on weightlifting, but there are data out there that show that there's no harm done. Now, I think one always has to use common sense. You know, I always caution women about very heavy weights and heavy lifting just from a balance perspective. I think they need to be careful. And we know that you probably get the same benefits if you do lighter weights with more repetitions than heavier weights. So I usually recommend that. But as far as a whole lot of guidelines based on data, we don't have those. I see. What about, let's swing to the other opposite dipole of this and talk about the patients whom I'm sure you've seen who are exercise fanatics and become pregnant, and you're following them through the course of their pregnancy. How do you counsel these patients who might have all of 1% body fat to begin with? (laughs) Well, I'm going to be honest with you and say that that is probably the group that I, believe it or not, worry about the most with exercise and pregnancy. And it was sort of a surprising finding in our research. And we did a small study, but in a very small subset of women who exercised above vigorous, so up until their maximum, we did see a drop in the fetal heart rate immediately after exercise. It was in a very small number of women, but it only happened in the women who were, we'll call exercise fanatics. And interestingly, that exact same finding was shown in a study in Sweden in Olympic athletes. The same very small number, but a subset of these women showed this drop in fetal heart rate right after exercise. Now, all of those babies looked fine. Right. Was there any outcome difference? No. But that finding makes you wonder if there perhaps is an intensity that might be too high because they really push. And so my concern with athletes is that we sort of the typical advice we give women with exercise and pregnancy is listen to your body. And I'm not sure athletes are really good at that because their whole life they have learned to be no pain, no gain. And they can't turn that off during pregnancy. And so that's the group that I I just try to caution a little bit and say, you know, you don't need to go crazy. You can still exercise vigorously, but, you know, don't push yourself to that limit where you start having symptoms and you ignore them. So they concern me. If we're speculating a little bit on some of the causality of those dropped fetal heart rates, do you think that that would be more in relation to... Well, let me put it to you one way or the other, potentially, and maybe I'm wrong on both counts, but do you think that is a factor of the amount of reserve fat, for instance, that the patient might have, or lack thereof, in which maybe there's not as much a reserve space or otherwise for these particular individuals who might have washboard abs with a pregnancy? (laughs) Or is it more in relation to the intensity of the exercise? I mean, is there any way for us to be able to separate the possible causes of that? I would only be able to speculate on this, and this is something I would like to look at further. But I think it's going to take uh, quite a bit of studying to figure this out. But my guess would be that it's more a intensity-related issue and that perhaps when they reach a certain intensity, whatever that is, but it, we know it's well over 85% and very much closer to maximum, maybe their body's requiring so much blood flow and oxygen that it is pulling away from the uterus and not going to the fetus at that point. Whereas even up to 85%, our, our research and others have shown that the babies do great. So I think there might be a threshold. It might only be in certain women, but I would guess it's a blood flow issue that it's just being pulled because they're working so very hard and demanding so much oxygen. Right. right. It would be interesting to follow 
these neonates as well longitudinally and see it what the be. health outcomes there would be. I, I agree. That would be fascinating. When counseling patients these days, obviously we just talked about this particular patient population, which is probably a small subset mm -hmm. comparatively to the other patient populations. What are your general guidelines as a recommendation for other practitioners as far as just talking about exercise, talking about physical activity for themselves as they're going through their pregnancy? So generally what I do is I think the women who exercise currently are the easiest to talk to because you really can tell them to just continue what they're doing, assuming everything is going well. In those that don't exercise, I really try and encourage them to just do moderate physical activity, the whole, you know, walking 30 minutes a day. I think one of the problems that, you know, when ACOG recommends moderate exercise, or I don't think people really know what that is. And so I think doctors have a hard time translating that into this is what you can do. And what I was talking about in the lecture today is that we've done some research into this and have found that if one uses metabolic equivalents, it's really the most accurate way to tell women what to do. So you go and you get a list of activities that fit under three to six mets, and that's really moderate, and it applies to everyone. And so, you know, that's walking three miles an hour or doing a whole list of activities that fall into that. And that stuff's very easily attainable on the Internet. You can find these metabolic equivalent charts. And I think that's easier than giving them a heart rate or giving them some other way to gauge their intensity because it's not accurate. I see. What about any technologies, wearable or otherwise, that people might think to use to help track them or keep them accountable to this exercising platform? I would be hesitant to give them a heart rate monitor because we don't know what heart rate and most doctors, believe it or not, a high percentage of doctors still use the 140 beats per minute, don't go over 140, which was taken out of the ACOG guidelines in 1994, but still used. And I don't think there's an accurate heart rate to give them, and so I would probably not want to do that. I'm curious as to how some of the newer pedometer-like things, the steps, step counters, would probably be a good motivator for women. And if you gave them, you know, the 10,000 per week that's given to non-pregnant people, it probably would be very successful in getting people out and exercising. Any parting comments before we wrap up this interview? Anything that you want to impart to our audience as a, as a final word? Huh? I think there's no debate anymore that exercise is good for health in the general population. There's no debate anymore. There's questions about how much and other things like that. And I think truly that probably applies in the pregnant population too. Of course, there's always your women who are at higher risk for some other reason that you need to be careful of. But I think the bulk of people, if they exercise more, they'd show they'd experience healthier pregnancies. Well, I very much want to thank Dr. Linda Shemansky. She is an expert exercise physiologist and medical director of labor and delivery at Johns Hopkins Hospital. Again, Dr. Shemansky, it's been great having you with us today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. <laughs> if you missed any of this episode or want to catch other episodes on this and other topics related to exercise in pregnancy, do go to ReachMD.com, download the episode, comment on the episode. I'm sure Dr. Shemansky will be around. <laughs> she might be able to comment as well. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening.